Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Uncensored with Ed Young. If you're a pastor looking for creative sermons, transcripts, and media, visit creativepastors.com. For more leadership handles, follow Ed on social media and check out edyoung.com. We also want to invite you to join us every weekend at Fellowship Church. Visit one of our many locations or even join us online. For locations and experience times, visit fellowshipchurch.com. And now, it's time for the raw and real. This is Leadership Uncensored. Ed Young here. Welcome to my podcast. Today, I want to talk to the young leaders. I want to talk to those of you who are younger. And you can define young. I'm not sure what young actually means or is, but I have the opportunity to, to, to work with a lot of amazing young leaders and I've observed leadership pretty much my whole life. I was observing it without even knowing it. I grew up in a leadership culture. My father pastors a massive church. I had the opportunity to help plant Fellowship Church years ago. And I've noticed some things that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to bring these things out. And then after I bring these out in the ensuing podcast, I'll try to answer some of the questions and get more dialed in and detailed. And I would love to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Um, just uh, send me something um, and... and uh, I would love to discuss it or elaborate on it. The first one is, and this is, is something that um, I've, I've been looking at for a long time. First thing I want you to do is ask yourself the question, what the technology? Technology is amazing. It's a great tool. However, if it's used incorrectly, it can become a tail instead of a tool, and the tail can be attached to a pit bull that will rip you to shreds. It's an amazing tool. Don't let it, though, move from a tool to a tail. Well, well how do you keep that from happening? You have to know what's, what's happening in technology. Technology is not the real world. Technology is ESPN highlight real living. People are showing their best, and most of us who are pastors, we, let's just be honest here, we post for other pastors. We don't really post for those people in our church. Now and then we do, but in essence, we're posting for, for pastors, for, for our peers. So, so when we post, we need to really think about the context of the post. Am I, am I posting this to make others feel bad? Am I, am I posting this picture of me speaking at this conference or at the church I pastor and I take the picture at an angle that it seems as though the church or the venue is about five times bigger than it is? When I do that, and maybe my motives are pure, I'm just not being very smart. Whenever I post something like that, I'm pretty much saying, I'm here and you're down there. So I just implore you, to think about the context of your post. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, I mean, what, whatever, whatever you want to say, Facebook, think about that. Because many times when I scroll through social media, I'm like, wow, 
They get to do that. They travel there. They have that many people. I must truly be a failure. And I've expressed this to a number of pastors who pastor different sized churches, and, and, and everyone has told me, Ed, wow, I feel the same way. I confess, I've posted stuff before with, with the wrong motivation, or I've posted stuff before, and people come up to me and they're like, man, that, how, how do church planters feel about that? How do people feel about that? They've been plugging away for, for 20 years, Ed, and their church is, has 400 people. and you're, so, so, so we have to be careful. I'm not saying we play the humble card. I'm not saying that we don't post. I'm not saying that we don't say, wow, look what God's doing. But it's almost like if we throw God in and I'm blessed, then we can just flat out brag. And, and it's so easy for us to turn into narcissists because social media breeds it. As a pastor, we're up front. I mean, every time we speak, we're undressing emotionally. We need the love and We'll stand out in the lobby or maybe by a door so people can come up and say, man, that was awesome. That was great. That was great. That was awesome. You're the man. That was great. That was awesome. All those compliments, though, really don't mean anything. I mean, what are people going to say? That was horrible. What are people going to say? I counted ceiling tiles during that message. What are they going to say? I worked on some emails during your talk. Heck No. Then we'll go to social media and we'll post stuff and get the social media love. Technology, what the heck knowledge? It's a one-upman situation. It's highlight real living. Also, too, something that has fascinated me about technology is you can build a platform without building a church. And, And in today's culture, you can have all these follows and likes and clicks and views and friends and all that, yet your, your church can be small. And I've been to some of these churches of, of people that have these huge social media followings, and I'm like, I don't say this out loud, but I'm thinking to myself, this is it? You can build a platform, a brand, without building the church. We have to ask ourselves constantly, what the heck knowledge? Am I building a platform or am I building the church? The last time I checked, it's about the church. The last time I checked, it's not about me saying, I'm here and you're there. It's not about one-upmanship. It's not about highlight real living. One of the things that's scary about this whole topic, what the technology, is our celebrity culture. And so many pastors have gotten sucked into the vortex of the celebrity culture. If celebrities attend your church, that is great. If you're friends with celebrities, they want to post some pictures of you uh, 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 hanging out with them, man, more power to you. 
My father told me something a long time ago because he's had every celebrity in their iguana cycle through his church, and we've had a lot of them too. Most of the time, most of the time, they're a lot of work for little return. And quite frankly, some of the people over the decades and decades of studying pastors and celebrities have wasted so much time and energy traveling with them and talking to them and doing this and that with them, yet there's very little return. But see, you feel good when you're with a celebrity, and it's much easier to do that than it is to stay at the task, the blocking and tackling, grinding it out, building the local church. Again, whenever you post a picture, I don't care who you are, with some person in your community or maybe in the world who has some sort of fame, think about what it does to other people. How do they feel? Well, man, people want to know that I'm, that I'm with this influencer, that I'm with this celebrity. Yeah, maybe. But, but, but think about the pastor. Think about your motivation. Why are you really doing that? Now and then photos will come up. That's fine. But don't chase it down. We chase it down because of fear and insecurity. And that brings me to number two. Let the game come to you. Let the game come to you. Rolls Royces don't have to advertise. A Rolls is a Rolls. If you have to feel like, man, I've got to meet this person or I've got to, to post a certain number of times or I've, or I've got to do this or that, that's the fear of man. You know, you've got to be in this clique with this group I've got to be nice to this person so they'll invite me to that speaking engagement or that conference. Let the game come to you. A couple of years ago, I watched a basketball game and I noticed a guy who was a great player and I was sitting next to a young man and I said, man, that guy's really good. He goes, that's my son. I said, really? Then I said, well, man, he must go to all the camps, play AAU. And this wise father looked at me, he goes, nope, he doesn't do any of that. He said, if you're good, they'll find you. Let the game come to you. Too many of us, too many times, it's so tempting, is it not? We become climbers. We'll climb all over people just to meet that certain person and just to have that connection, that, that relationship. I've been climbed on before, and it doesn't feel very good to have someone's shoes in your face. Just be very careful, because certain people really need to be needed. Uh, you don't want people around you. I'm kind of changing the subject a little bit, but you don't want people around you. You don't want people on your board. You don't want certain people who, who need to be needed. Watch out for them. I call those relationships. And over the years, 
we have strategically tried to take those leeches off of our church and off of our lives as well. So, what's the handle here? Stay in the game. Stay at your church. Build the church. And the other things will come as God allows them. So, what the technology? That's the first thing. Number two, let the game come to you. Hopefully you're taking a, a deep breath, a, a, a sigh of relief, I should say. Number three, pass a travel ban. Pass a travel ban. Our, our world, we've been talking a lot, especially in the U.S., about this travel ban. I think it's tempting, because of what I've talked about already, to, to start trying to travel. And a lot of people are traveling now. You can travel so much and you can tell your story so much that one day you won't have a story to tell anymore because nothing's going to be happening at your church. Traveling is, is sexy. It's, it's cool. And because of the superfluous nature of social media, people have more and more opportunities to travel. And when we travel, we're gone for at least two, maybe three days. We're away from our church. We don't have to deal with the drama and trauma. All the people, all the stuff happening at church, we can go to other places where they're hugging us and, and telling us how great we are and how brilliant our messages are. Then we come back. We're worn out. We give our family leftovers and our church family leftovers. I've been studying some... Some people, some, some, some young people, some young leaders who travel a lot. I've not been watching their sugar sticks, but I've been just kind of looking at their week-to-week messages. And several people I know have been doing the same. And the consensus, and the consensus for most of them is, man, they got five or six great sugar stick sermons they'll do at different conferences. But week to week at their church, their messages are, aren't, I mean, they're just not really that great. Now, these are great speakers, but they're not putting the work in they should do to build the church. Again, one of the things I learned from Dad, Dad has, uh, wow, maybe the biggest church I've ever seen. You know, I've been to Hillsong, Singsong, LifeChurch.tv, I've been to... Elevation. I've been to all these churches, and, and none of them, size-wise, true size-wise, even Lakewood, um, compares to Second Baptist Houston. You've never heard about it because Dad is not a guy who hit the road. He's never been a guy on the circuit. He just is a meat and potatoes blocking and tackling local church guy. Now, I think it's rather humorous how people talk about, oh, I love the local church. I'm a local church person. I'm a local churchaholic. Yet they're gone all the time, and they've not done anything in the local church. Back in the day, if you got invited to a conference, you actually had to build something. Today, if you have, again, the likes and clicks and views and friends and follows, you can get invited anywhere. You don't have to build anything except a platform on social media. Interesting. I'm not saying not to travel. 
We need to take breaks regularly. We need to take vacations. That's the first thing. Uh, take a break. If not, your schedule will break you. The ministry is set up for burnout. So take a break. That's huge to, to disengage, to travel with your family. And when you travel, try not to preach at all. Just chill. When you do have an opportunity to go somewhere and speak, great. Don't overdo it. Don't travel too much. It's very seductive. There are financial benefits. There's emotional benefits when everyone tells you how great you are. But again, at the expense of the church. The fourth thing. After what the heck knowledge, let the game come to you, pass a travel ban. The fourth thing, grace at the expense of Scripture. I'm all about grace, and you're all about grace. Grace on top of grace. The Bible is a book about grace. Yet, we've abused grace to such a degree, the pendulum has swung so far the other way. Where is the preaching? Where is the teaching? Where is the writing about self-discipline? Where is the writing, the teaching, the preaching about taking up your cross daily? Where is the writing and the teaching and the preaching about purity, about repentance? Where is the gospel in your message? So often it's lacking. Last week, I got up and I did something I rarely do. I scrolled through the preachers on all, all of the Christian networks and watch them. And many of the preachers, you know, you would know. Some young, some old, cool, hip, not so cool, millennials, boomers. And most of them, when they preached, were so irrelevant so out there in Never Never Land. I, I was thinking to myself, what would someone who doesn't know Christ think about these people? I mean, they're not talking about anything practical. They're preaching at 40,000 feet, and most would just talk about grace and grace and grace and grace and grace. With grace, there's a great responsibility and I think in our desire, I guess, to connect with culture, we have so watered down and so compromised preaching the hard yards that you might as well go to an Anthony Robbins seminar as opposed to going to church. The fifth thing would be the seduction of the worship movement. Are you saying what I thought you said, Ed? Yes. The worship movement is amazing. It's been phenomenal over the last several decades. God has done some great and wondrous things through the worship movement. But again, let me go back to the pendulum. The pendulum has swung too far, in my opinion, the other way. Bill Heibel said, churches have gone missional because they failed at becoming attractional. And, and, and one of the ways is we've just mailed it in, and all we do now are just worship songs. 
First of all, most of the worship is way too long. Secondly, the the lyrics and the language are at 40,000 feet. Thirdly, the worship leaders don't explain what's going on. After about 20 minutes in our culture, you need to move on after the worship. You need to explain it, but I don't think our goal is for everybody in the church to have their hands lifted, for everybody in the church to be to be screaming and yelling. I, I don't think that's it, because if that's it, you're not doing what the Great Commission said. A third of your church should be people who don't know the Lord. The next third should be those who are brand new believers. And the next third should be those who are tenacious, coast-to-coast followers of Christ. Yet the worship people say this, and this is partly true. When unchurched people see authentic worship, man, they'll go, that's authentic. So I guess, I guess I'll become a Christian. Sometimes that happens. No question about it. But more often than not, uh, that doesn't happen. So we have to think about that first chair because the church is a table and the first chair would be made up of people who don't know the Lord. And the sad thing is, most of us who lead in the church, we really don't know people. We really don't relate with people. We really don't know people who are going to hell. We say we do. Everybody wants to reach people until they reach people, you know? But but really, during the worship movement, too many of us have just mailed it in. In the worship movement, the whole worship thing is easier to do. It's easier to preach to the choir. It's easier to talk to Christians. It's easier to prepare. It's easier. Don't misunderstand me. I'm all about worship. I'm all about the transcendence of God. I'm all about expressing our love to God. Yet we've got to think about our audience. And we've got to think about true, authentic evangelism. Too many of us are into faux evangelism. I mean, yeah, people are going to come to know Christ, but, but are we really intentional about it? We're not here to worship worship. We're here to take as many lost people as possible to heaven with us. We're not here to sin. But too many times, pastors dress cool. We have the skinny jeans with holes in them and the expensive suede boots and the long shirts and the and the Warby Parker glasses. You have to have glasses now and the, and the chains and all that and the tats. You, you've got to have that. And we look cool, but we're totally out of fashion when it comes to understanding and really preaching to those people who don't know the Lord. Everything we do should not be for that first chair, but it needs to be for everyone. And if we really think through our worship services, we can do both. So hopefully that got you thinking, those, those, those questions, those principles that I just uh, talked about. Hopefully it, it um, will get you to, to contact me, to give me some suggestions or, or maybe some questions, or maybe you want me to clarify something, because over the next several weeks and months, I'm going to talk about each of these subjects again more in depth, because the bottom line is we've got to reach more people. Hey, thank you for listening to my podcast. The best is yet to be. 
would love to see you at our Creative Church Conference in February. Check it out. It's going to be amazing. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Leadership Uncensored. Check back the 1st and 15th of every month for a brand new episode. If you're a pastor looking for creative sermons, transcripts, and media, visit creativepastors.com. For more leadership handles, follow Ed on social media and check out edyoung.com. If you are looking for a church, we hope to see you at Fellowship Church this weekend.